Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of the LBC Podcast, where we explore Christian theology and practice for the building up of God's family. My name is John, and we have a very special episode for you today. Today we're coming to you in this new year, and we're going to be talking about the topic of Catholicism. Are we the same Protestants and Catholics? What do we believe here at LBC? Um, we're going to dive into all sorts of really interesting topics around this. Joining us this morning, our pastor, Eric Burns. Hello. Good to be here. And our very special guest today is Mr. Matt Purdy. Good afternoon. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, to be here. <laughs> Matt uh, serves on the worship team here at LBC. He's been coming to LBC for a long time. How long have mm-hmm. you been coming? Uh, 23 years. <clears throat> 23 years? Yeah. Wow. Okay. That's well, 24. Actually, longer 24. than I thought. Yeah. Uh, Matt plays guitar on stage quite well, and uh, many it's of you nice know him because he leads worship as well when uh, when I'm not always there. Yeah. So yeah. does a great job of it, too. He has privilege. The, the glorious royal purple guitar. Oh, yeah. Yes. It only comes yes. down what's, your, what's your guitar's name? I don't typically name them. That one in particular is Purple Rain. Purple mm. Rain. It's a beautiful name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and this is why Matt is famous. <laughs> <laughs> I should also mention joining us is Elijah Tran. He's always back there. Say hi, Elijah. Hello. People, I, I'm, I'm starting to hear from more people. They like hearing your voice in the background. <laughs> they want more Elijah. <laughs> Less Soothing. Eric and John. <laughs> Soothing. Mm-hmm. Well, like I said, we are coming to you with this topic of Catholicism, um, Catholic beliefs, in the church, asking that question, um, you know, what is the difference between being Catholic and being Christian? Is there a difference between being Catholic and being Christian? Uh, this is a, a really sensitive topic, and we we really recognize that. Um, it's not just the culture that we live in here, especially in Southern California, mm. uh, where, you know, Catholic culture is huge in Southern California and a lot of other places, but it seems like... Bakersfield in particular. In the West, yeah, yeah, yeah specifically in <coughs> Bakersfield. And so... Um, we fully recognize there are some of there are a lot, quite a few people who are coming to LBC who used to be Catholic. Yeah. Uh, we got people who are just freshly coming out of the Catholic Church and they're coming to LBC. Um, and regardless, for anybody who who was raised Protestant or uh, came to faith in Christ another way, um, we all have loved ones and friends and coworkers and family members who are a part of the Catholic faith. And it can be a little murky uh, when we want to talk to our Catholic neighbors. Uh, about Jesus, and it can be hard to sometimes find those lines of saying, you know, are we different and where are we different? And so we want to kind of take some time today, not just to hear Matt's story, but also just to, to dive in uh, to that topic and to see how can we lovingly share Christ with our Catholic neighbors, and uh, what does the Bible have to say about that? So today, we're going to get started just by hearing from Matt. So Matt, you grew up Catholic, correct? I did. You know, right now, just thinking, <clears throat> I think I've been not Catholic as long as I was Catholic, Whoa. if you'll wow. put those two together. You know, it's kind of weird. Yeah. Uh, where Do you want me to start from, John? Birth? Yeah, it's a good place to start. <laughs> well, uh, it might, depending <clears throat> what happened at his birth. True. Were you baptized as a baby? Oh, sorry. I was like, was there a star in the east? <laughs> 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 My parents looking out the window, you know? Yeah, uh, it might have been. That's special guy. Um, <laughs> so I was born into a Catholic family. Um, in specific, my mom was Catholic and the spiritual leader in my house, if you will. Mm. My dad was Episcopalian, um, but the Catholic faith really dominated uh, our decisions about God and, and faith, if you will. So, you know, I was baptized as an infant, 
um, took my first Holy Communion when I was like in first grade. And then I was placed in Catholic school in the fifth grade. And so going to Catholic school, you're in a very small bubble. Mm. And as much as we did a lot of Catholic things, I think a lot of us were there because like our parents Mm. wanted us with Catholic education, private schools, you know, they're smaller, et cetera, et cetera. And so I went to Catholic school from the time I was in fifth grade to the time I graduated college Mm -hmm. or sorry, high school. So uh, within those years, um, sixth grade, I think it was, you could become an altar boy. And I can remember as a family, we would just go to mass on Saturdays. And I think just being a kid and having uh, my interests all over the map during uh, Catholic mass, I thought being an altar boy would be cool because it'd be something to do. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, there's a, a, a lot of things wrapped up in that for me. I just thought it was neat to serve. And so I did that for a few years. And then when I got into high school, um, you know, still going to Catholic high school. And now religion is a class, you know. Mm. And so um, as far as spiritual formation, um, it really wasn't much more than whatever the school had to offer, Mm. you know, within the the context of being Catholic, you know. So, like, uh, we'd have, you know, uh, an all-school mass, you know, once a month. And then, like, uh, during Easter, this was always unique for Catholic schools to me, was that our spring break was a week after public school because we wanted to participate in Holy Week. And so Holy Week was a big deal. And one of the rituals that we would do, we had Stations of the Cross that we would do um, mm-hmm. throughout the, the Lenten season, but especially the Holy Week, we had a bunch of different things that were leading up to yeah. getting ready for Easter. So there was just a lot of Catholic rituals that we participated in, Mm -hmm. but for me, I don't know how much I connected my faith or belief in Jesus to those things, you know, just kind of what you always did, kind of uh, Catholic by culture more than anything. Can I, can I ask you real quick? Sure. Like at at this point in your life, who was God? Good question. What was your view of God? Yeah, good question. Um, God was somebody, you know, other, I guess, holy mm-hmm. i had <laughs> i think a lot of catholics struggle with this i had an intense guilt complex like you were never <laughs> like good enough you know um i don't think i really considered who god really was other yeah. than somebody that i could communicate with and if i and this was i think my own understanding not because somebody had shared this with me but right like right if i did write things good things would happen. Right. You mm-hmm. know, kind of like a transactional thing. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, I believe it was my junior year. I got confirmed as a Catholic and that was kind of the next step. And it was kind of during that time, I think my relationship with God got a little bit more uh, robust, if you will, but it was still pretty mm-hmm. weak. Mm-hmm. Um, not like how I feel like there's a lot of entry points for new believers in within the evangelical circles, if you will. Mm -hmm. Right. Especially for youth. Um, so then I turned 18, went away to college and, uh, you know, sadly, but this was really my mental state was like, Oh, I'm never going to Catholic church ever again. Mm -hmm. I just didn't want anything to do with it. 
And so um, I'd still go and participate Christmas and Easter with my family. You know, mm-hmm. I went away to school for a couple of years. Well, I was enrolled in school for a couple of years. I don't know if I went there. <laughs> and so um, I'd come home and kind of, you know, just participate. But there was never anything that was really tangible for me uh, between the years of 18 and 25. So are you like honoring your parents at this point? With just going to church? Yeah. I guess so, yes. Okay. <laughs> Other ways, no. But uh, with the church <laughs> piece, yeah. You know, like um, we have a, a prayer I think a lot of Catholics do this in Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you pray, oh, Blessed Lord, and these I guess we're about to receive from the band of the Christ, our Lord, amen. Sorry. A lot of things for wow. Catholics when I was a kid, <laughs> you said it as fast as you could because there was a lot to say sometimes. Wow. So like uh, with a rosary, uh, and maybe some Catholics are going to connect with this that grew up this way, but like say your Hail Marys, the Glory Be, and an Our Father, right. and I mean you're right. getting the next rung of beats. So I just remember... Uh, ripping those off as fast as possible. Um, <laughs> did it ever give you like a sense of security after you did that? No, be, and I think partly because there's a point where it just becomes ritualistic, at least for right. me, the way I was kind of processing things. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I still, though, had great reverence for being in church, right. and I thought there was some very, there was just this sense of awe, when you'd go to church. So like my mom, for example, um, she made it, uh, it was intentional that we were there 15 minutes before all the services. Anytime we go to a service because she wanted us like me and my sister, I guess when my sister came along just to be still before God, wow. you know? So huh. my mom was like instilling that in us and that's cool. You know, I'd be like, yeah. well, what are we going to do? She's yeah. like, well, we're just going to like pray, say they are fathers. So, mm-hmm. you know, like do those things. So my mom was instilling in me a reverence for God and having faith, but I don't think I ever connected those dots to really make it my own, you know, yeah. other than the fact like, hey, I wanted to be an altar boy. I thought that was cool. Yeah. Being confirmed was just part of the tradition, you know. My mom's uh, family, they were raised Catholic. Again, you know, born and raised. Brothers and sisters were all Catholic. So, like, that was part of our family's tradition on mm-hmm. my mom's side. On my dad's side, um, we would still, uh, we would go to church as the Purdy family, so like my mom, dad, my sister, and I, but we would always go to Catholic Mass when we'd visit my dad's mom. So uh, there's never any Episcopalian shades <laughs> thrown in there. You know, it was always just like, this is what your mother wants. We're going to do that. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, being Catholic was kind of all I ever knew as far as like uh, formation of, of faith and belief. And mm-hmm. again, my, my mom was kind of leading the charge with that. Yeah. Um, growing up so what was what was where did the shift happen for you like what changed that brought to, you to christ so a couple different trials and tribulations in my early 20s mm-hmm. and <clears throat> i was um, my wife sam and i just lived across the street and one night uh i don't know just i was down in out on my luck, you know, mm-hmm. and frustrated with the way my life had taken some turns that was disappointing, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, what's that scripture like? Uh, a man can plan his way in his heart, but the Lord determines his steps, you know. So yeah. I was like trying to determine all of my steps on top of that, and I was just getting, you know, 
I don't know, roadblock after roadblock. So I was pretty frustrated and articulating to my wife, Sam, that night, hey, I don't think I believe in God anymore because like, I feel like I'm doing all these right things. Right. right. The transaction. Yeah. And God is not allowing what I want. Mm. Very, you know, I'm, I'm saying this very selfishly in my heart at the time. And I don't think I believe anymore. Like, I feel... Now, <laughs> I was in no way living lifestyle <laughs> that would be honoring to God necessarily, sure. you know, some of my decisions uh, that I was making at the time. Um, so this is all news to Sam because like for her, I had all the outward appearances of somebody that believed regardless of circumstances. Right. Right. So, and Sam grew up in a Protestant household. Um, she was coming to LBC as a, you know, high school student here during her formative years right so she that was her connection and like i said we lived across the street so she leaves and is like i'm gonna go pray because i can't be with somebody that doesn't believe in god and she leaves and uh i'm like who is she even talking to like i was so (laughs) mad at god i was like what's the point right and she comes out and she's like okay we're going to church tomorrow And like, you got to get things figured out because like, we're not going to be together if you don't have faith. And so I was like, okay, you know, like I'm Mm -hmm. I'm saying this, like that's how hard my heart had become. Right. right? And so we come the next day and Roger's preaching and uh, beyond the uncommon experience, because Sam and I over the years that we'd been dating, so we'd been dating for about four years at this point. Uh, we, we lived uh, in Florida with some people that we went to church, we went to Protestant churches with, and had friends that were, you know, believers, but, like, never, nothing ever really stuck. So, like, mm-hmm. I, I had been in those contexts, but just nothing ever really stuck for me. But coming to OBC, and now, like, we've got these songs being sung, mm. and a band, and I'm like, what? is happening in this place because like in in catholic in catholic church that's not mm-hmm. wasn't the context right. right it's very liturgical it's you know right. very orderly in these ways i think we might have sung like an ave maria here and there like twice mm-hmm. a year or something right or in our father so i'm already getting hit all kinds of different ways and then the sermon that day was you know uh god sees and knows what you're going through and so you mm. you know he's available for you that's a real summary that was a long time ago right Mm -hmm. but like basically the room got real small for me and it was at that point i was in the pew and i was like okay god if you're real uh, i'm gonna do everything that you ask but if if i do those things and like you don't show up like i'm done we're like again you know this whole kind of transactional thing but i was like i'll you know i'm surrendered i was broken and so, you know, from that day, God just kind of took me and like doors, all kinds of things opened up, you know, like uh, as much as it's uh, one of my complaints right now, but, you know, I got into teaching like <laughs> right away and God opened a bunch of doors through that. And uh, just a lot of things really started changing for me. And so um, that's how I came to faith. Mm-hmm. Um what more should I say with that? Because, like, that was a long time ago. Like, what changed? You know what I mean? Like, what changed? when like, did it stop becoming a transaction? 
You know what I mean? Like what? Oh, how did that oh, corner like, get turned? Yeah, because I was giving the Lord a month. Uh, yeah. <laughs> did he? Did he meet that deadline? Oh was gosh. <laughs> well, I'm still here, John. Uh, <laughs> proving himself. I think it was just my own. It's probably a couple things. It was the fact I actually like dove into scripture. I dove into anything I could do to get my hands on around what faith looked like, what Christianity looked like, um, dealing with a lot of my own issues, you know, and my lack of faith and like really just growing in like my faith at that time. And I don't know. I just, I kind of took it hook, line and sinker and ran with it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Was there like a moment or frame where you kind of pivoted from bargaining with God to realizing like you're, you're saved. Like it's, done it's finished you're paid for yeah it was that first day okay and you know because like i i think it was part of like i did not expect i mean the message could have been something totally separate but for some Mm -hmm. reason like i i cued in on that like god was present and loves me regardless of you know whatever Mm -hmm. i was going through at the time Mm -hmm. so um i just started believing Mm -hmm. Uh, i uh, that's really the only way I can describe it you know and I guess it was just fresh because I looked around and I saw people that were happy I was hearing things like I had never really heard before you know Mm. and diving into scripture on my own uh, I had never really done that either apart from the things that I needed to learn for you know like class or like when I was going through the confirmation process we had to read a lot of scripture um but nothing like I was doing at that time mm-hmm. once I finally got saved. Okay. So yeah. I think the, the hard part to draw out of this is that there was something that different that happened. Yeah. Right. And that the, the something is significant. And so uh, the, the word that Matt has woven in there very, very well is transaction. Right? Yeah. Like a transaction. Yeah. yeah. And I think uh, the, the transition from, Catholicism to Christianity is, is from a, a transaction to a relationship. Yeah. Right. And so I think that's where a lot of the confusion lies is that um, some Catholics would say, I do have a relationship with Jesus. Right? Mm-hmm. And so then it's like, okay, well, what, what does that look like? Because uh, a transaction is a lot different than a relationship. Yeah. And, and what, what Jesus did and, and what you think he can do matter in the grand scheme of salvation yeah if that makes sense yeah and so i think that's probably a good point maybe to to transition or maybe maybe ask this question matt would you say you were a christian pre that moment um i don't know i because i mean our definition of what a true christian is at this point right uh sorry at this point in my faith journey is much different than what i would have thought at 15 you know what i mean um, I can say that even if I didn't have like the full ascent of belief right. in who Jesus was and what that meant for me yep. long term, God, for some reason, instilled in me from a young age that like I wanted to serve him. I wanted to mm. have a relationship, even mm. if I, I didn't see it that way. You know, I, I right. was not like, you didn't necessarily articulate it that way. Yeah. I would yeah. have thought like, I'm not good enough. I, you know, I'm blowing it all the time. I mean, I, but I kind of feel that way now, you know, right. to be honest. Uh, <laughs> so, um, um, but 
the way I'm looking at still being, you know, a person that's capable of committing sin. Uh, it's much different in light of like what I know about uh, assurance mm -hmm. and uh, sanctification and perseverance of the saints mm -hmm. versus what I didn't know growing up or was never really exposed to growing up. So, I mean, we're, we're kind of dancing around and tapping into a really interesting concept here that I think a lot of Catholic and I've had Catholic friends who kind of get offended by this. Yep. And I've got Christian, like Protestant Christian friends who, well, I just said it, who, who, you know, it's, it, it's almost second nature to say it like this, where we differentiate between Catholics and mm -hmm. Christians. Right. And that seems to be an, an, an either or thing. You're either Catholic yeah. or you're Christian. And so you've got some Catholics who would say, no, we're all the same. We're all Christians. Right. You've got some Protestants who would say, hey, you guys are just splitting hairs right now, which by the way, that's a good plug to go look back and listen to our last podcast episode on splitting hairs and why that matters. True. Um, but, uh, are, you know, aren't you just splitting hairs? Yeah. Are, you know, and so that does kind of tap into that question. Are we all Christian? Are we, is there a difference between being Catholic and being Christian? Yeah. Are so there, um, I'm going to attempt to do this very, very delicately. Yeah. Because this touches a lot of nerves and... Um, in one sense, it's it's very complicated, but in an, in another sense, it is fairly straightforward. Um, but it's hard for it to be straightforward because there's so much emotion and history and yeah. context that comes with it. Um, and the reason I say straightforward is they are two different words for a reason, mm -hmm. right? Catholic and Christian, Protestant and Catholic are two different words right. for a reason. Right. And so, just by the very nature that there are two different words tells you there is a difference. Now where confusion hits in is, well, there's Baptist and there's Presbyterian and there's Lutherans and they're all Christian, right? right. So um, where, where you have to start is you have to define things the way people tell you they're defined, right? Mm. So meaning um, you can't just assume your definition of a Catholic is Catholic and your definition of Christian is Christian. Yeah, that's now, a good point. Right? So the thing, uh, the reason you can say a Baptist is a Christian and a Lutheran is a Christian and uh, is they all would agree on, you mm -hmm. know, the f what we would call the five solas, right? So that's important because that's what comes out of the Reformation. Well, what's the Reformation? It's reforming the church because as they... As the printed Bible became available for people, they realized that there was doctrinal errors about salvation mm -hmm. in the Catholic Church. Right. So they packaged the Reformation in a way so people could understand, like, no, you're saved uh, by grace, which is a gift, so that's grace alone, through faith, right, mm -hmm. believing uh, in Christ alone. Christ is the only payment um, according to the scriptures alone, for the glory of God alone, mm -hmm. and that those five things comprise salvation. So when you say you're Lutheran or you're Baptist or you know you're Reformed, you're agreeing on the five solas. Right. But maybe you have a nuance on communion or church government or, or baptism, or right? Baptism, right? Yeah. But you're not disagreeing about those five points right. right and those five points were written to directly oppose what's taught in 
the Catholic doctrine. Now, where this becomes problematic is um, you, you'll hear a Catholic say, well, I believe I'm saved by grace. Okay, so you have to really read your Catholic doctrine to see, well, what do they mean by saved by grace, right? And so grace kind of gets Jesus' death on the cross, gets you on the table, right? He's a partial payment. Um, and that partial payment gets you started, but it doesn't complete you. It doesn't get you to heaven, right? It just kind of gets you on the board. This is why they have uh, other means to help you get saved, right? Like you have uh, baptism is a, is a way that saves you, right? Taking the sacraments is a way that saves mm-hmm. you. Penance is a way that saves you. And if you don't get those things taken care of, that's where purgatory goes to help refine you and do the rest of the work that you didn't do to get you all the way there, right? So that's where it can be very confusing for people. Now, I, I don't want to keep going on this without saying it doesn't mean that there aren't Christians that go to a Catholic church. Mm. Okay, now why do I say it that way? If you believe that Jesus is the full payment for your sin right. on God's grace alone, meaning his favor, his decision for his son we to pay We didn't earn it. It's nothing earned, right? It's, yeah. it's Ephesians 2, 8 through 9, which which is the hallmark of this. You have to, it says, for by grace, right? Free gift, you have been saved through faith. So it's believing Mm -hmm. in the gift, right? And this is not of your own doing. This is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Okay, That sinks everything. Because when you look through Catholic doctrine, Mm -hmm. the church may boast, the Pope, the priest, the sacraments, they all play a role in that salvation, right? Mm-hmm. This is saying only God, because it's all his work, his gift, what you're to do is receive it. So if you believe that Jesus is that full payment for your sin, mm-hmm. and there's nothing you need to do to earn it, right? There's, there's nothing you can do to earn it, right. you're saved, that would put you in the Protestant Christian category, Right? But you're attending a Catholic church. Okay? <laughs> Conversely, yeah. on the other side, it's like someone who comes to a Christian church, but they don't believe they need Jesus to pay for their sins. But mm-hmm. maybe they like the people, they love John's beard and Matt's guitar playing, and they're like, this is where I want to be. Right? But for they don't me. believe in Jesus as yeah. the payment for their sin. Well, they're a non-Christian attending a Christian church. That's true. Right? Yeah. So it happens in both contexts. Um, and, and again, I didn't create the definitions, right? And so a lot of this comes through, you got to read through the Catholic catechism. You can go to the Vatican's website, you can go to the Catholic Church website, and you can pull up the Catholic catechism. Mm-hmm. And you can look through the various things they have that walk through the necessity of the sacraments for salvation, mm-hmm. the authority of the Pope and the Cardinals, right? Um, the role of the priest. Yeah. Um, then the need for the sacred tradition and the Bible mm-hmm. as a means for God speaking to you, not sola scriptura, not scripture alone. You know, so that's paragraph 97 if you're interested. So th- that's where when you read their documents mm-hmm. and you say by faith alone or by grace alone through faith alone, it doesn't match. So that's where the disconnect begins. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say there is uh, an emphasis on works uh, along with that, you know, 
and kind of what you're saying, Eric, and part of the story I was sharing earlier was that I do believe that there are, you know, saved Catholics or people that are of the Catholic faith that are attending that, that church, if you will. Um, and they just are operating <laughs> like a regular Christian. Like what did I say earlier? Like uh, wrong beliefs or no right beliefs, wrong building. Yeah, right. you, you said it very eloquent. You said right belief of justification, <laughs> wrong building. Yeah. Right? And so what, good. what Matt's getting at there, and this is why Matt's famous, he says things like that. <laughs> is, wow, guys, you're being so kind. Well, no, because there's, there's books written on this because it's very important because it's, it's, it's what gets you saved. Right? And so in justification, Protestant Christian, Jesus is the full payment. Right. Mm -hmm. Justification is a, a bookkeeping term. And so there's a ledger. Mm -hmm. You're negative a million. I'm just making that number yeah. up. It's not biblical. Right. Jesus fully pays it. Your accounts are settled. Yeah. You're no longer in debt to God. Right. Your sin debt yeah. is taken care of. So that's what we would call, you know, a Protestant Christian view of just a Catholic one is Jesus is like a partial payment, mm -hmm. right? This is why you have penance. This is why you have to go to the Catholic church. This is why you have to go to the priest and they have to pardon. This is why you have to go through their baptism, go through their communion, right? Because these are all extra things you need to balance the ledger, Yeah. right? And you can balance the ledger, but then the, the new sins you commit, you've unbalanced the ledger, mm -hmm. okay? So that's a different view of justification because... For a Christian, what we read in Scripture is Jesus is the once-for-all payment, right? Yeah. There's no more payments. There's no more shedding of blood. Christ's blood fully pays for the sin. Okay, So that's why Matt's statement is so true. There are Catholics that believe that, mm -hmm. but here's the caveat. That makes them Christian. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Right. But they're I've attending that way. But they're attending a Catholic church. So what, in short, what we're saying is that a Christian is somebody who uh, and this is very broad, but right. a Christian is somebody who, to their core, in their heart, believes the five solas, that they're saved by faith alone, or by grace alone, mm -hmm. through faith alone, in Jesus Christ alone, according to the scriptures alone, to the glory of God alone. Alone. Um, that that is what they cling to for the salvation of their souls. Um, that's what they cling to to make them right with God, to give peace with God. Yes. Um, to be reconciled with God, to have the hope of salvation, to have the hope of a future in heaven um, that w and there are people who believe that who attend Catholic mass and right. go through all of the things. Um, and they are just as saved as the person who is here in our building who, yeah, you know, uh, believes what hopefully we're preaching the five souls all the time. Hopefully our church is hearing that all the time. Um, so, you know, where's, I, I, I guess I would like to hear, um, what would be your guys's response to the, to the person then who would say, well, then what's the big deal? Why can't we just let people let bygones be bygones? And, and why do I need to talk to my Catholic neighbor? Right. Well, because uh, there's even non-Christians who would agree with this. You know, I think it's a comedian pen and teller and his, his whole comedic point is mm -hmm. how unloving do you have to be? to not proselytize, which is evangelize right. someone. And his, his comparison is, you know, if, if he, an, an atheist, saw someone in the road and a truck was coming to hit them, he would go tackle them to save them by the truck, regardless if the truck really exists. If he believed 
it exists. Yeah. He's going to tackle that person. Sure. Because for him, it exists. And the loving thing to do is to save someone from getting hit by the, by the bus. Mm -hmm. And so his point is for a Christian to truly believe that and say nothing is unloving. Mm -hmm. So the reason we have this conversation is um, if you don't think you need to have the conversation, that's very problematic. Yeah. Because um, a non-Christian is someone who doesn't believe that Jesus is the full payment for their sin. Mm -hmm. Right. And so what a Catholic needs to hear is that you've been saved by grace. Yeah. Jesus did the work for you. You need to receive that gift by faith, meaning believing and trusting in his payment mm -hmm. according to the scriptures, to the glory of God yeah. and live your life in a response to the great gift, not trying to balance the ledger. Right. Yeah. Because once once you go down that road, you really have a different Jesus. Right. Yeah. The Catholic Jesus, if I if I can say it so broadly, you know, has a has a perfect mother of perpetual virginity. Mm. He's a partial payment on the cross. He um, he also is equal to the Pope, right? Mm -hmm. The magisterium. Mm -hmm. uh, so you, he he speaks the Pope scripture, right? He speaks for God. You can read through some of their documents. You know, paragraph eight ninety one, paragraph. 889, uh, paragraph 862. Like they have, they walk through the role of the magisterium, the Pope. And it's very, he's called the head of the church. Right. Jesus is called the head of the church in Ephesians chapter 5, right? Mm -hmm. So you have a very different Jesus, right? The, the Christian Jesus has a sinful Mary who had other kids, who is the full payment for our sin, who's the only head of the church and whose full righteousness right right relationship with god we receive right so that's we believe in what's called imputed righteousness we get christ right relationship with god applied to us yeah in catholicism you get an imparted righteousness you get a partial righteousness mm. so the the ledger's partially paid that's how it works with justification so you're partly right with god and you have to spend the rest of your life doing the other things to help balance the ledger. Yeah. Why you have to be baptized in the Catholic Church. You have to take Holy Communion in the Catholic Church. Mm -hmm. Right. So these are the other things that help balance that ledger. And these are all things that aren't taught in Scripture. Right. Scripture never teaches us to go about things this way, to believe this way. Uh, well, that those things are salvific, right? Right. Okay. I, I think that's the difference because, like, I think an argument could be made for, like, the sacrament of penance, right? Because... Mm -hmm. yeah. um, going to a priest to have them, him absolve your sins. Yeah. I still think it's biblical to confess your sins to one another, you know? Right. Yeah. Uh, but that doesn't save me or add to my salvation. If I confess all of my sins to Eric Burns right now, he can't pardon my soul. Nope. No. Nope. No. <laughs> Sorry. So, but it's like, it's, it's. Are you sure? And I don't want to say that's like a nuance, <laughs> but um, it's those little things that you have, I think as the Protestant yeah. believer, the evangelical, you have to be sensitive towards speaking with your Catholic mm -hmm. um, friends or family. And, and if I could tag on, I'm yep. sorry, was I interrupting you? Nope. Okay. Um, one thing that I wanted, I, I think we talked about earlier too, was just the need to be sensitive because like for a lot of people that are 
coming out of Catholicism, a lot of it has very deep family ties. Mm -hmm. And I remember for myself when, because uh, I was like so excited about new life in Christ when I first got saved. I'm trying to share this with my family. <laughs> and my gosh, my mom uh, was uh, pretty visibly upset, you know. Mm, yeah. uh, there's a lot of things tied into being Catholic and keeping your family Catholic, you know. Mm -hmm. And um, it was not a fun ride trying mm. to have discussions of faith. Just in general, if like I was reading a book on, you know, sp spiritual practice, I still had a hard time sharing stuff like that. And I, I think it's because in some, some realm, um, people have had bad experiences with evangelicals. Yeah. You know? Yep. And, yeah. uh, you know, all the good intentions of some evangelicals really can ruin yeah, <laughs> quite a bit. Um, and I'm sure I've been that guy for somebody. But um, just being sensitive to uh, the beliefs of Catholics and what they've grown up with. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't know, maybe I'm being too nice, but just like treading carefully with some of these things because no, you wise. have to... Uh, take into consideration that a lot of it, the information that you might even be sharing about like justification, right? Yep. Is, is almost foreign. It's a foreign understanding yeah. because uh, like I said, growing up, I, who knows, I might've read some of this catechism stuff. It yeah. was just over my head, mm -hmm. uh, you know, because I was a kid, I guess not paying attention. Um, but I also didn't have it like reinforced necessarily in the home, you know? Right. And so you didn't necessarily see it in practice all the time. Um, so being sensitive to where people are, mm -hmm. especially in their faith journey, especially if they're having questions and especially if they're coming from this kind of cultural Catholicism that really, man, it can really wreck yeah. and strain relations within families and friends. You know, uh, that for me has been something that I've had to be sensitive towards and even sometimes just, back off because if it's going to become a divisive argument, it's not really worth yeah, the time and ruining that absolutely. relationship. You know what I, think, I mean? Yeah. I think what Matt's hitting is so important. We don't do this podcast to win an argument. Yeah. Right. That's We're doing good. this podcast so that if you do have a, a brother, a sister, a spouse, a mom, a dad, a best friend, a coworker that is a Catholic, that hopefully you would see the need to have a conversation with them. Mm -hmm. And maybe they tell you, I believe Jesus is the full payment for my sin. And I don't go to the priest and I don't believe in Mary. I don't pray to Mary. I don't think I need to take their communion to be saved. And I know no one can take my salvation from Mary. They talk <laughs> Christian. Yeah. Well, praise God. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But you should at least have the conversation and see because they are uniquely different. Yeah. On purpose. Right? Yeah. And so... Um, we're not saying that to, so people go start throwing stones and be like, Hey, you're not a Christian without even, <laughs> right. You're attending a Catholic church. Right. <laughs> let's, uh, so, so let's, let's, this. let's, yeah. Let, what does that mean to you? Right. And here's where I think a good question is, if you don't believe a lot of this Catholic doctrine, why do you go to a Catholic church? Oh man. Right. That's a good question. And I think that's the question people don't ask because the people who have been most mad at me, Mm -hmm. are people who vehemently disagree with Catholic doctrine. I don't believe in purgatory. That's crazy. 
I don't pray to Mary. That's weird. I don't need to talk to the priest. I pray to God myself. I know I'm saved. Jesus paid for my sin. I'm not saved by works. I'm like, well. So why are you Catholic? Yeah. So, but this <laughs> is. standing wrong building. Right, exactly. But this goes back to Matt's thing about you need to be so sensitive. And so a lot of it comes off with maybe uh, a distrust in me or like I'm creating a false caricature or mm-hmm. straw man. So it's like, okay, go to the Catholic documents. And this is what I normally get. What are Catholic documents? Right. Go to Google the Catholic catechism mm-hmm. and it'll outline these yeah. things. Yeah. And so you can go and you can read like one. A lot of people don't know about is paragraph 841, the church's relationship with Muslims. Right. It reads the plan of salvation also includes those who acknowledge the creator in the first place amongst whom are the Muslims. These profess to hold faith of Abraham, and together with us, they adore the one merciful God, mankind's judgment on the last day. Oy. Yeah, so that takes Jesus out of it. Why? Because Muslims, again, go to Muslim documents. Jesus is a prophet, but he's not the son of God. Right. He's not sinless. He's not the payment for your sin. You know, so that's when you say in Christ alone, mm-hmm. they truly don't hold that because you can believe in the God of Abraham alone mm-hmm. without Jesus as the payment for your sin. So, so meaning when you start reading through it, so encourage them, hey, let's look at some of these. Go And then this is what I, you have to go to their website, their documents. Okay. And I'll say, well, where do we see that in scripture? Right. What Bible passage? And walk through them lovingly because they will truly say, well, I've never heard that. That doesn't mean it wasn't taught. It doesn't mean it's not there, right? Yeah. And so we're not asking anyone to just take our word for it, Yeah. right? Um, go and search these things. And, and so the reason you have these conversations is because you care about somebody and you want them to know what I'd say, the freedom from trying to balance the ledger. Mm-hmm. Trying to balance the ledger is a painful way to live and it's enslaving, Mm. You're never balanced. You're always guilty. It's like what Matt was saying. You're always guilty. You're always in fear, right? Like if I were to die today, man, I haven't been to church. I didn't confess sin. Am I going to purgatory? How long will it take me to work this off? Right? There's all these things that you're always in fear of. And it drives you back to the Catholic church to balance the ledger, right? Instead of what you see in the New Testament is you've been saved by grace through faith. So, that guilt you have is, I love Christ and I sinned against him and I shouldn't. Mm-hmm. But you're still going to heaven. Yeah. Right? You've been paid for. That's a freedom you want everyone to know and experience. Amen. Right? To, to go yeah. to bed with that freedom that no matter how bad they are, they can put their head on the pillow and know heaven is my home. Mm-hmm. Right? My sins are paid for. Um, and the more you can, can be in awe that Christ's payment paid for it all. Right? Yeah. And, and that's a, a thing to be great for. So now you have reason to worship. You have reason to have joy. You don't have that same joy and same hope when you're like, I'm kind of saved. Mm. I hope I'm saved. You know, I'm 80% sure I'm saved because I stubbed my toe. I cut this guy off in traffic. And, you know, I was loose with my lips at lunch. You know, but uh, so then you're like, I'm 80%. It's a good day. Like, yeah. Oh, no. You know what I mean? That's, that's a joy and a and a freedom and a hope that you can't have and we want you to have that because that's what the scriptures teach yeah amen yeah coming back to that that's what the scriptures teach let's talk about that for just one second uh one of the five solas that that is 
I think really pivotal for us as Protestants, especially for us here at LBC, is sola scriptura, mm -hmm. that we believe scriptures alone are the overarching authority. It's God's revelation to us. God has revealed himself through mm -hmm. his word. Yes. Um, that we believe the Bible is God-breathed, that it is our authority. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it stands over and above LBC. Yep. Um, it, it, it's not just like guidelines. It is what we follow. Um, it's what we teach. It's, it's God's revelation to us. Um, how does that differ from the Catholic Church? Because they're going to use Scripture. Right. So two things, two things. Paragraph 97 reads this. The sacred tradition and the sacred Scripture make up a single deposit of the Word of God. So how is that troublesome? Because it's not Scripture alone. Mm. So that's why we started with the Reformation. The reason these solas are written specifically yeah. is so that you have to understand the Word of God's not written yet. So they're trying to help people see what you're being told is not in the Bible. And they boil down the essentials, right? The essentials. And so when you get sacred tradition, you can take teaching outside of the Bible, make it equal to the Bible. Mm. Okay. Now, the second part of this is the, the Catholic Church designed it so that when we say scriptures alone for us, mm -hmm. they're not for us. I want you to think about this. Okay. You read paragraph 100. It says the task of interpreting the word of God authentically has been entrusted solely, solely to the magisterium of the church. Ooh. That is to the Pope and to the bishops in so, communion with him. So that's basically saying the average person right. cannot know God's word. Right. It was written for the magisterium and the bishops. This is why when a lot of Catholics will come to church, they're not used to bringing their Bible because the priest will tell you what it says. Was that your experience, Matt? Yeah, there was two moments uh, where they would read a section of scripture and then, and that was it. And then, yeah, I didn't need to bring my Bible because it was in the, um, the missile. There's like a little booklet that goes for the month. Hmm. Uh, and the, the liturgy is structured the same way every single time. So, you know, there's no surprises. Yeah. And, and you can read from the tradition or the Catholic catechism and you're reading scripture. Yeah. Right? And they would also believe that the Pope speaks as Christ speaks, right? Paragraph 862 says, Hence the church teaches that the bishops have by divine institution taken the place of the apostles, the pastors of the church, in such wise that whoever listens to them is listening to Christ, and whoever despises them despises Christ wow. and him who sent Christ. So that's a dangerous... That <laughs> yeah, yeah. seems like really dangerous footing. Right, um, but that's why when we say scripture alone, we're really not saying the same thing. We're saying regardless if you're a pastor or not, um, number one, anyone can know the word, that yeah. it's the perspicuity of scripture, that that Ooh, it is clearly John. laid out for us. $5 word right Thank there. You. It means clearly. <laughs> clearly. You can, wow. It's to be clearly understood. Mm -hmm. um, you know, but it, 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 what that means is that whenever Pastor Eric... God forbid, gets mm -hmm. on stage and says something that the Bible does not actually explicitly say, or rather misinterprets the Bible. Right. Anybody has the authority to stand up and say, you're wrong. I don't care what came out of your mouth. That's Even not though what the you're Bible the says. lead pastor of this church, yep. that's not what the Bible says. Absolutely. If the Bible disagrees with you, therefore, you're wrong. 
Right. And this is where the conversation usually changes um, when I'm talking with a Catholic is like, well, why should I believe you? And I say, you shouldn't. You yeah. should open your Bible and see if what I'm telling you is true. And That's then good. trust what your Bible says. Um, now, there's definitely, you read Hebrews 13, 17, pastors are accountable before the mm -hmm. Lord. But you also read the New Testament. The Bereans are listening to Paul saying, I don't know if that's really what the Old Testament teaches. And it says that they searched the scriptures and they looked. <laughs> and they're actually applauded for it, right? And so in First Timothy and Titus, it tells you, in accordance with sound doctrine. If anyone teaches different than this doctrine, you know, yeah. you're not to listen to them. Yeah. And so the Bible says that the pastor is only as good as that he's teaching from the Bible. Right, and then so the Bible is the authority, not not the pastor. If yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, and the reason why this is an important distinction, I think, is that so much of the Catholic faith seems to be rooted, a large portion anyway, seems to be rooted in tradition. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, there are there are traditions that were handed down all throughout the thousand, couple thousand years of history of the Catholic Church. Um, uh, that that you know, we have these traditions that were set in place at a specific time for a specific reason from some Pope who had mm -hmm. an agenda or something that he felt like he needed to do. The, the problem here is that, uh, I don't know, and I don't know any Catholic who would necessarily disagree with this. There were some pretty bad Popes throughout history. Right. A lot of corruption from Cardinals and, and Popes, just as we, just as we should expect. Right. Uh, th this isn't picking on the Catholic church. This no. is, this is, this is mankind. This is the way mankind operates when they're given power. Um, it happens in Protestant churches where pastors abuse their power right. and um, you know, go off the deep end and do crazy things. The problem seems to be that there are active traditions, active things that good Catholics follow that were actually placed there, um, traditions that were added hundreds and hundreds of years ago by a man who had an agenda who wanted something done, and yet these things are still being practiced today as if it's God's word, as if this is what's necessary in order to draw closer to God. Yeah, so the, the problem becomes is you can speak new doctrine that doesn't need to agree with Scripture. What we would hold to is my word is only as good as it agrees with the Bible, mm. right? You know, so I can't change what marriage is, right? Right. I can only speak what the Bible tells me marriage is. Right. And when I say that, I don't speak as Eric's view on marriage. I speak Ephesians 5 says a husband is and a wife is and marriage is. Mm -hmm. Right. And so um, that's where the Bible tells you that all scripture is inspired. I'm not inspired. <laughs> so if I, if I speak outside of that and try to call it equal to scripture, that's where there's a problem. It better it better line up with scripture. Yes, yeah. yeah. And if the if it doesn't, the Bible's very clear about that being wrong. Is there anything you want to add to that or correct? Uh, no, I a couple of thoughts were just you know yeah. it very much reminds me of like the Pharisees when they were adding all these rules, yeah. you know, and like yep. having people ascend to that or, or you know do those things so they would feel you know within the boundaries of God's law. Secondly, um, just even today, and I think there's been podcasts about this for sure, uh, just being aware of what teachings are out there within the realm of Protestantism. Protestantism. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You're good. Uh, you're good. <laughs> because just like the prosperity gospel, yep. right? Yeah. You could have a guy um, preaching from the Bible, mm -hmm. uh, utilizing scripture. Saying to, all the right words, all the right terms. To leverage an agenda. 
uh, mm-hmm. for their own beliefs, right? Absolutely. So I feel like even within our own circles, there's a great uh, danger, but also a necessity for believers to be in the word and to be daily and acting with that for themselves so they can discern truth from error, you know? Absolutely. And get around people that can help you with that. Yeah, absolutely. At the end of the day, it comes down to, are we worshiping the right? <laughs> are Jesus, we, are yeah. we worshiping the true Jesus? Yeah, that's um, exactly the way to frame it. And that's, that's, that's what we keep coming back to. And it, again, if you go back and listen to our last episode, we came to these same conclusions talking about Pentecostalism. Yeah. That absolutely. you can wind up and especially on the fringe side of Pentecostalism, uh, you can wind up with a completely different Jesus. We're saying the same words. We're using a lot of the same terms. We're even quoting the same Bible verses, but we're talking about two entirely different Jesuses. Yes, that's a great way to say it. And I'll end it with a little bit of a story. Is There's a sweet moment, uh, probably about, probably close to 10 years ago at LBC, um, an ex-priest started coming. And mm. uh, he, he came down the aisle weeping. And he had to probably be late 60s, early 70s. And he said, I just became a Christian. Wow. After all those wow. years, he had never believed he was saved by grace. We were in the book of Ephesians. And he's, he, he didn't really, he's like, my sins are paid for. A child of God, he, like the weightiness of it. And so I, I, the reason I use that is because when you think of a priest, that's a man fully acquainted with all the doctrinal nuances. Mm. And because he was, the, the way it's laid out, I think it was, I don't want to say easier, but maybe clearer, mm-hmm. right? That, that That's not what he was subscribing to. And when he came to that full weight, he would say he became a Christian that day because he believed Jesus paid it all. And he yeah. didn't have to keep trying to pay it himself. And, yeah. well, you know, and that's, that's where my heart goes out is that that system enslaves you to purchasing your salvation. And the Old Testament clearly shows you you cannot, yeah, cannot can pay hope. for your own salvation. Yeah, That's why when you get to Jesus, John the Baptist is, is so elated. Behold, the Lamb mm-hmm. to take away the sins of the world is here. He's like, finally, finally, we don't have to do this anymore. Yeah. And that's the freedom we want everyone to know. And, and it's a freedom not found in Catholic doctrine. Mm-hmm. Matt, what's maybe just in closing? What's um, if you could talk to your Catholic neighbor? It's been a long time. <laughs> <laughs> what's what is what is one thing that you would hope would be heard here today? Um, that there actually is hope, you mm-hmm. know, hope to be found. Uh, I also would say you're probably not as far off as you think, you know, mm. and for all the striving that you might feel like you have to go through. Because I know a lot of people, even in, like like I said earlier, like I still have a pretty heavy guilt complex at this point. My sin's always in front of me, you know. Mm. But I do have a lot of hope because that road to sanctification isn't always a straight line, you know. Mm-hmm. It's like mm. a, it's a windy path. So I would like, I guess, my Catholic brothers and sisters or family members to realize like there is hope, you know. Yeah. And I don't want to say we're in the same ballpark necessarily. Right. Um, but, um, there is freedom to be had. And like that freedom I experienced, you know, 24 years ago was liberating, you know, just Mm -hmm. like the story Mm -hmm. with this, you know, former priest. Mm 
it's incredibly liberating. And Pastor Eric, what would, I mean, we got people who are coming here fresh out of the Catholic Church, people yeah. who are kicking the tires. Um, what is it that you would hope people who are either coming out of Catholicism or they're still in it? I mean, just what's your heart as pastor of LBC towards yeah. those who are coming? My heart would be that if you have Catholic family, that you would now have a heart to at least probe the question. Mm. Okay, Maybe they are saved, but don't assume. Hopefully you've seen enough evidence that you should at least have the conversation. Yeah. And if they're not, if they really think, you know, I'm, I'm 60% sure I'm saved, and it's day-to-day, workspace, ledger balanced, yeah. pray for them and talk with them mm-hmm. patiently, and and not you're not winning an argument. Mm-hmm. You want them to know what the Bible says about Christ and the freedom they can know and the forgiveness of their sins, the, the full ledger being paid for. Mm-hmm. I think that's our heart, is we don't just want to blindly assume and then ignorantly find out, oh, you never did. Mm-hmm. You know? And if you, if you want to be balanced in that, sometimes that's why it's good we talk about it as Christians. Because sometimes Christians, or I will say self-proclaiming Christians, actually don't know. Yeah. yeah, We've been in some, you know, when we do a membership interview, we walk through, you know, what is the gospel? Mm-hmm. And we don't just assume you know. And we walk through, you know, if you were to die today, how sure are you you'd go to heaven? And not all the time, but every once in a while, there's, oh, I'm not sure. <laughs> you know, I've been, I've had a rough week been coming here for 30 yeah, years so. yeah and they're <laughs> and it's it's good that we do that yeah that's great because it's loving uh, i forgot there's a book i'm forgetting the name but it's like never assume the gospel that's good right never assume the gospel and i think we we stay away from that because we're afraid of what might happen or if we can answer the questions or can't mm-hmm. answer the questions and uh, my encouragement would be you know again don't take my word for it Research some of the things we said. Look it up. And then try to find Bible passages that support those things. And and if you are going to a Catholic church but you don't believe its doctrine, it's a fantastic question. Why mm-hmm. do I go to a church that I don't believe in what it, what it says? Mm-hmm. And, and you're like, well, they don't teach that. Well, then why is that church not teaching what it says it teaches? You know? Yeah. Yeah. These are these are fair questions. And um, that would be my, my prayer is that we, we just have a heart – and a consideration, and we just don't blindly or ignorantly assume. Mm-hmm. So if you're listening to this, hopefully what you've heard is there are some very stark, stark differences. We're not just talking about two different denominations here between mm-hmm. the Catholic Church and Protestantism, or we would say Christian churches. Uh, we're not talking about two different you know, subtle denominations. We're really talking about two different Jesuses, two different faiths. And uh, while there, there can be those who are, you know, who come to faith in Christ and attend you know, Catholic services and, 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 you know, go through all of that. Um, it is important to at all times be telling the truth and be, you know, helping people find that freedom that Matt was talking about, that, that rest for our souls that only comes through resting in Jesus Christ alone for the salvation of our sins through faith alone, by grace alone. Um, that's our hope for all of you here at LBC. And uh, hopefully also what you heard is Pastor Eric's heart, all of our hearts, that these aren't conversations where we're trying to just simply win battles or look good in front of other people. That's unloving. That's unchristlike. Uh, that is not at all what the scriptures command us to be like. Rather, 
we are to first and foremost, I think, as Paul instructed Timothy, watch closely your life and your doctrine. Who do you believe Christ is? Are the scriptures being lived out in your life? Um, are you seeking daily to apply the scriptural truths, or do you just simply attend here and right. go through the motions? Well, there's a lot to be said to you, <laughs> dear listener, on that point. Uh, come to faith in Christ. You know, we need to put these things into action out of love and out of a proper response of whole life worship for who Christ is and what he's done. Uh, but also, you know, for those of us who are in Christ, to to recognize when we're talking with our family members or our friends or our co-workers who are devoutly Catholic or our neighbors, um, don't forget the relationship. Don't forget to seek mm-hmm. to know the person. Um, you know, we, we need to come with love in our hearts, um, not just trying to win a battle, but to see the people, to see the person um, for who they are and for the fact that all are loved by God. And uh, we want to actively speak the truth in love in such a way that we can be heard. And so do not neglect those relationships in your lives, dear listeners, but engage freely uh, in those relationships for the purpose of speaking God's truth and helping people find true rest for their souls. There are a couple of resources that I think would be good to recommend, and you guys can pipe in here. Um, if you want to learn more about this, if you want to read, if you're a good reader and you want to read more, there are two books that I can recommend that are extremely accessible. Uh, one is A Very Loving Approach by R.C. Sproul, and it's a book called Are We Together? A Protestant Analyzes Roman Catholicism. That's by R.C. Sproul, Are We Together? And then if you want to dive into uh, the Protestant Reformation, just to get a helicopter view of what in the world are we talking about when we talk about that, um, I highly recommend Erwin Lutzer's book, uh, Rescuing the Gospel. It is a really great overview of what the Protestant Reformation was really all about, what sparked it, and uh, it is very accessible. It's a fun read. Um, just to get into the history of it, but to, to look at it through the lens of, uh, you know, what exactly Martin, just to see exactly what the Reformers did uh, when they read God's Word for themselves and to see what God did through that. And then Pastor Eric has another one. Yeah, there's a book by Mike Gendron. It's called Preparing for Eternity. And it, it's the reason I just love Matt coming on here is he speaks from a Catholic perspective as a man who grew up Catholic. Sure. Mm-hmm. And so he can help uh, relate to what it's like and what you're thinking and helps you see where they're similar but where they go wrong. You know, and I think that's what's hard is you're like, but there's so many things that are similar. And he outlines the the things that are are important, that why they're different. And he gives you lots of Bible references and he gives you references in the catechism and, uh, you know, important documents throughout their history. And just really helps break it down. And so uh, that, that's been helpful, I, I think, just because it does come from someone who has been Catholic before, mm-hmm. rather than just a pastor, you know, writing uh, to that topic. Very good. Well, listener, I hope that you found uh, something that was beneficial. I hope that hopefully this prepared you in some way or sparked your curiosity. Matt, thank you so much for coming on. My privilege, John. <laughs> Thanks for having look me. Look for him on. Uh, look for him on stage next time you're leading worship. Or in the courtyard. Or in the courtyard. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just yeah. look forward to purple rain. <laughs> Man, the requests. I'll have to bring that guitar one day, Eric. Thank you. <laughs> just for you. Thank you. Well, the LBC podcast is a ministry of Laurel Glen Bible Church here in Bakersfield, California. 
As always, we would love to worship with you in person. We have services every Sunday uh, at 8.30 and 10 a.m. We would love to see you face-to-face, to to hear your voice in the crowd, uh, to hear God's Word preached with you face-to-face. We also have all sorts of Bible studies and small groups going on all throughout the week for all ages. We want everyone to know God's Word. And so if you want more information on that, you can follow us at laurelglenn.org or look for us on social media. God bless.